NetCredit is here to say yes, because you're more than a credit score. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partners. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Coming up, Lab and I recap the RBC heritage and set the stage for this week's Zurich Classic. Welcome to the Goss Central Podcast presented by Callaway Goff. Did you know new father John Rahm almost never hits full shots, eight iron through lob wedge? He prefers to hit three-quarter shots that fly low, so a higher spin ball is a necessity for control. That's what he got in the Chrome Soft X for his golf ball. Did you know three-time Masters champion Phil Mickelson tested multiple iron sets in his quest to see which one would launch the highest to take on Augusta National? If you like equipment notes like these, you're going to love Callaway's new World of Wonder. Johnny Wonder takes you inside the tour truck in the bags of staffers on all the world tours and inside the Eli Callaway Performance Center for all things equipment and fitting. What the pros are doing may just help you shoot your best score. Check out callawaygolf.com slash world of wonder today. Lav, I can come on this podcast and say happily, gleefully even, 47 is the new 27 on the PGA Tour. I mean, how would how would you know uh, as a, what, 54-year-old? 54? Yeah. Uh, 53 but 53 way to round up i appreciate that um i mean Stuart sinks career renaissance has been nothing short of remarkable this was a guy who i think entering fall of 2020 he like probably a lot of guys his age were counting down the days until they were pg tour champions eligible and, and able to beat up on on 50 somethings on that tour and this kind of coast into retirement and he has basically reinvented himself he's 10 yards longer he's sprier he's he's fit uh he's stronger and he's been working with a, a putting coach a mental coach and i think probably most crucial to his success he's got his son caddying for him and, and reagan and together they've they've been a great team they've been great to watch um i have a i give a reagan a lot of credit um this isn't just like a ceremonial caddy role i mean this kid knows what he's talking about uh, he's able to to break down things for his dad in a, in a way that's easy to, to easy to consume, um, and it's he's it, been critical. I, I mean, Stuart Sink, Stuart Sink is having the best year since what a dozen years ago when he won at Turnberry. This is his first multi-win season since 2004. It's it's incredible to see what he's done at this age. Uh, well, 2009, yeah, the Open Championship. That's the last time he had won on the PGA Tour, and this goes back to he's won twice this season on the PGA tour. And I mean, it's amazing to think that's more than the guys you sit and become breathless about. I mean, it's more than Jordan Spieth and it's more than Colin Morikawa. And it's more than these names that we're going to talk repeatedly about. And I think in a lot of ways, you might've overlooked that Safeway open victory because of the field, because of what time of year it was, because of everything the tour had gone through to get to that point, but you can't overlook this one. I mean, to go wire to wire is an amazing performance for someone that, and what I wanted to ask you, what, what I'm kind of curious about, and has this changed your opinion of him? And, and the only reason I say that is because, and I, I hate 
I very, very reluctantly go down this road because it will turn into, is he a Hall of Famer? Is he not a Hall of Famer? And that's, that to me is a boring debate. I think the bigger question is here, I mean, at, at what point does he become one of his generation's best golfers? And I think he's, he's sneaking up on that simply because at 47, and I think you nailed it, and the interesting thing is having Reagan on his bag and you're right, this isn't what they call a friends and family deal. I mean, he is a very good caddy. I mean, watching that tournament this weekend, seeing how they interacted, seeing really the calmness he brings to his dad on the golf course. And I was fascinated the connection between Lee Westwood and Stuart Sink on this front. Lee had his son on the bag at Augusta and seemed to have sort of a same calmness. I can tell you, as a father of three, in a similar situation, I'm probably not going to have the same calmness because all three of them are going to drive me nuts. That's why, like, it, this is Stuart Sink. He's got, he's 47 years old. He's got a quarter century of experience. He was playing his 610th start on the PJ Tour. There's very few players in the field, if anyone, who had the experience, both on the course and off, that Stuart Sink has had. And yet he was relying on his 24-year-old rookie caddy son to make judgment calls and rely on his instincts and his intellect on things like wind and, and break and, and kind of mapping out a strategy for the golf course. I, I, this isn't, you know, I think Helen story has, has done a lot of things for Lee Westwood in terms of, of putting him in a better place on the golf course, maybe not getting so wrapped up in results. I, I literally think that Reagan sink is having a significant impact in the way that Stewart is playing in terms of how he's attacking a golf course. No, and I don't think there's any debate with that. To go wire to wire on this particular golf course, and look, you can always go back in history. He's won this event before. We're going to have this conversation all the time about the harbor towns and the colonials of, of the golf world that, look, these are the types of courses that um, men of certain age, and, and Stuart certainly would fall Vintage. into that category. Vintage, absolutely. They're going to have the opportunity to go out and contend. I mean, we see it every single year. But for him to do it twice, for him to, to bogey the first hole, I mean, he puts it in the water off the very first thing with, with the first swing of the week. That, that's amazing to me. And, and you're right. I think there's a lot to be said for the idea that having your son on the bag in some situations hasn't worked out. We've seen it throughout the course of the tour. In this particular situation, it has been impressive. And so Stuart Singh, you asked where, where does he rack, kind of rank among some of his peers? This is his eighth victory on the PGA Tour. Of course, he won the major championship that, that Tom Watson fans will, will never let him forget. Uh, the 09 open he did miss that shorty at southern hills uh back in 01 that would have eventually got him into the playoff there at the u.s open so you you're you're dangerously close to what could have been a a two-time a major championship career he did win a wgc uh over tiger woods uh in 04 he's look he's played on a lot of cup teams i was i was doing some research because as as we tend to do during a Ryder cup year you see a, a, an American or a European player win, and you immediately go look at the rankings to see where he falls. And Stuart Singh falls uh, 24th right now, just behind Kevin Nod, just ahead of Matt Kuchar, I believe, or it might, might be vice versa. Um, and so, look, he's still a long way off, I think, from warranting some serious consideration for a U.S. Ryder Cup berth later this year, regardless of how many times he's got to win this year. Like, he's just – he's got a, a – a tall hill to climb. However, he has played on nine cup teams. I think maybe just people my age, we forget how good Stuart Sink was 
15 to 20 years ago, mostly 15 years ago. I mean, nine cup teams, that's that's nothing to scoff at. He hasn't done it since 2010. But, I mean, he's as experienced as as anybody this side of Zach Johnson or Jim Furyk or Steve Stricker, players like that. Well, and you put it into context. I did a story last week on Boo Weekly just sort of catching up on Boo because Harbortown, where he's won twice, is kind of where he's connected to the PGA Tour. And it, it got me thinking about the 2008 Ryder Cup. Stuart Sink was a star on that team. He was overshadowed by Boo and by Anthony Kim, the two fresh faces, and, and Boo being the the I don't know how, what you would want to call him. I, I guess the, the comic relief, as well as a very good golfer, but very much the comic relief of that particular cup. But Stewart played fantastic. And you're right. You look at his cup experience. I don't know that he's there. And, and I know, like, I feel like I'm going to back myself into a corner in this particular situation, just like I did with Lee Westwood. Here it and, comes. Here yeah, it no, comes. No, Vic, Victor uh, Perez, uh, turn up your dial. No, thank you. I, I do not want to get called out in the American or the European team room, so I won't be walking out on that limb any longer. However, that being said, I can't imagine when you start going down the list of old war horses that may or may not be considered for that team. I don't know that Steve Stricker really has a lengthy listing longer. I mean, clearly Tiger is off that list for all the reasons that we've talked about on this podcast. I don't know that Phil Mickelson can realistically he's think that gotta he's gotta be off that list. He he can't pull it together. I mean, let's face it, we all have seen him play over the last few weeks. It just isn't going to happen. And in this particular case, you've got a guy that's won twice this year on the PGA tour. And you get an idea of I mean the, the point that, that I think you pointed out in a tweet that you sent out was how is the difference between where he is on the Ryder Cup points list and where he is on the FedEx Cup points list? And it's a little skewed because it's a rolling, you know, this is a, a two-year kind of rolling deal when it comes to the Ryder Cup. That being said, he hasn't performed great in the majors, and that's probably where you're going to get the most points. But even that far down the list, I'd still like his chances. It, it, at least You as... like his chances to be on that team at Whistling Straits. Have you seen Stuart Singh from inside five feet? He's basically pump faking. He's doing a little twitching back you do you really count on Stuart sink 12 years removed from his last cup team to to make a five footer when you need it Stuart sink versus, versus westy who who you got in a must make five footer uh that would be a pillow fight it seems like but i will take the obvious the other side of this conversation and say that kamorikawa missed some bunnies on sunday Ooh. and that argument you make that he's a great player and i always make the, the counter argument saying that, he is a great okay, player he's the number he's four a great player in the world He's average in distance, and he's a great iron player, and he's very, very streaky in putting. Not just and great. I thought- he is the best. He is the best iron player on the PJ Tour. Unfortunately, he is 180th in putting coming off a week at Harvard Town when he missed nine times. It was brutal, 10. man. I mean, on Sunday, nine it times. was brutal. He actually could have put some pressure. I mean, he could have. I thought he was going to be the one that put pressure on Stuart Sink. Just not happening. And that so was call, amazing to me. So I, I, I'm not saying I called this because I, I only want the best for Kyle Morikawa. But after he won a concession, a tournament that I was covering, I asked Don't do him, this. I said, Don't do this. You're going to turn on him. I know what you're going to do. No, Don't do this. but I said, I said at the PGA Championship, everyone remembers you were, you know, number one in iron play that week and you were number one in putting. That is literally an unbeatable combination. And he ended up winning his first major championship at concession. He was number one in iron play and he finished inside the top 10 in putting. It was just the second time in his career that he's done that, finished in the top 10 in both of those categories. And what did he do? He won the golf tournament against what was then the best field of 2021. And so I asked him, I said, you know, how do we know that this just isn't a mirage? How do you know that, that this isn't just like the PJ Championship where you had just one great putting week? And he said, nope, nope. 
I switched to this claw grip and, you know, I'm starting everything on my line and it feels really good. And, and, you know, this is, this is the new way forward to me, for me. It's not, it is not the way forward for him. He has lost more than a half shot per round in the two tournaments that have tracked strokes gained data at the masters. He was 38th out of 54 players in putting. As I just mentioned, he missed nine times inside 10 feet, including two critical misses inside five feet where he had a chance to really apply some pressure to Stuart Sink. Look, he's first on tour in, in ball striking. He's 180th in putting. He's got to figure out something. Go to the arm lock. I know Billy Horschel wants to ban it, but right now it's still allowed. A lot of guys have, have kind of revitalized their career. Will Zalatoris, Webb Simpson certainly come to mind. Try the arm lock. Just try something. Just try something because – I, I'm pretty sure the claw grip's not going to cut it. And again, middle of the pack and driving distance. So when we talk about those three magical numbers, that uh, I don't know if that's Moneyball, I don't know if that's you know BPI or whatever the case may be. However, when we talk about the three magical number, it's driving distance, it's putting, it's ball striking. And he's really, really good at one of those things. And the other two things, he's either average or very, very inconsistent. Luckily for him, iron play is the greatest indicator of success in the PJ Tour. So I think he'll take that one. He just, right, needs, before, he just needs to become an average putter. That's it. Just average. Just become average. Said every player in the history of the game. Uh, before I spin this head ahead to Dessert Classic, where I am in New Orleans, I can't be more excited about that because this is where my wife is from. This is where I was married. This is where I. This is the city I probably know as well as uh, Orlando. And so I do want to touch on that. But before I get into that, I, I do want to point out there was a memo sent to players on Monday, and I wanted to get your take on this, that the idea being that if you were now fully vaccinated, which means 14 days after you've received your second vaccine, which you have, good for you. So you would be fully vaccinated right now, right? All no, right. I'm not fully vaccinated because I got my dose last Friday. Oh, so, so I, I still I still need to wait the 14 days. So if you were fully vaccinated, you no longer have to submit to the PGA Tours testing protocols. Along those same lines, the tour plans to stop testing altogether on site at the end of June which would lead if you're not vaccinated, which is, this is the this is the hook of the whole memo. If you're not vaccinated, that means you have to administer you have to have a PCR test before you travel within 72 hours before you travel to a tournament. And that expense is on you. Do you think anyone is not going to become fully vaccinated very, very quickly? I mean, that's how you mandate without actually mandating is this is say, sure, you don't have to get vaccinated but you're gonna have to pony up $150 for this PCR test 25 times a year until five years from now, seven years from now. I mean, when, when does that policy end? So yeah, everyone's going to get in line and do it. I think that's, that's really smart. And you're still going to have the same safety protocols in place in terms of, of masking up. And I guess if you're uh, in small groups indoors with fully vaccinated individuals, then, then yeah, you don't have to, wear a mask, which I think is what the CDC is going to be uh, guidelining here shortly anyway. Uh, but that is a, a very smart move. I'm actually surprised they're going to wait until the end of June. Uh, because as you know, we're taping this podcast now on April 19th. Vaccine is uh, able to be administered to anyone 16 and older. Um, so they're giving them ample opportunity to, to get their shots, even those uh, who uh, on the PGA Tour might just be just the slightest bit skeptical. And I've, I'm assuming there are a, a couple dozen of those. Well, and it was interesting because I got a hold of the memo and, and they out and out just addressed the idea that, look, all of these things that are being said about the vaccines, they're simply not true. So there's no Shocker. excuse that you're going. 
Yes, I, I know. There's no excuse that you're going to throw at us that is going to be good enough for you not to. If you don't want to, that's entirely up to you. And they lean into the idea that you don't have to. We're not going to mandate this. But again, there is not a better mandate than you don't have to, but it's going to cost you $150 every time you want to tee it up. So I agree with you. And I think you, both of you and I are under the same mindset that since the very beginning, and this has been a moving target, and there's been a lot of things that have changed over the course of the pandemic since last June and the restart, the tour has done a really good job. And I would put chalk this right along with those victories saying that, okay, I can appreciate this. This is the right move. Did Tyler Dennis say anything? So I guess microchipping is not what the, the fine folks at Publix are, are doing when they're, they're sticking me with the needle. They're not actually microchipping me because that was one of the misconceptions they need to, <laughs> need to point out as being false and inaccurate. Uh, no, I want well, I mean, to who actually that. believes this stuff. So the I wanted to quote that the are, are insane. I, no, I, I, that's funny because I did. I wanted to quote that. So this is what they say that quote, there are common misconceptions and concerns uh, about infertility altering nope. DNA, nope. microchipping, becoming infected with COVID as a result of the COVID-19 vaccine. These misconceptions and concerns are false. Although, I mean, I was so, I was so sick on Saturday. I actually thought that my DNA was being, was being altered. I mean, I was, <laughs> I, I was, I was bedridden for much of the day. I do, I must say, I do have a, a, an incredibly strong immune system. I know you always scoff at me on the road when I say I get a head cold when I'm flying for four or five hours or I tend to have a little bit of an upset stomach after, after certain meals. Uh, however, I am very, very rarely sick. Uh, shout out to elderberry in the morning and magnesium zinc uh, in the evening. And so I had a robust reaction on Saturday. Have you, have you gotten your shot yet? Are you still among the anti-vaxxer crowd? Uh, you have the intestinal fortitude of a four-year-old child, just to be clear on this one. Know, you don't pretty, eat anything pretty similar to my two-year-old if it comes in it's coming out that's right very very quickly mostly that's the way it works out uh, i am not an anti-vaxxer anymore i got my, the first of two this week while i was oh home. just I, just wait <laughs> the pain the pain is coming <laughs> you will be run over it will be perfect however i do i just did want to give a shout out to the tour because again both of us have kind of addressed this in various formats and i wanted to point out that they seem to be they continue to move in the right I just direction wanna, i just want to stop wearing a mask outside i want to stop wearing a mask outside the cdc needs to update that guidance there is zero evidence that wearing a mask outside is a hindrance I just sure. walked down. This is not an exaggeration. I just walked from my hotel to another hotel to be tested because I'm part of the, the kind of the CBS crew this week. And so you're kind of in the bubble. So you have to do all the, the testing. And so I had to walk to another hotel that was about, uh, it was about a 20 minute walk away. And I had to wear, I, of course, I'm going to wear the mask. That's, that's what you do. I'm amazed as I walk down Bourbon Street in New Orleans, the Bourbon Street in New Orleans, that people are wearing masks. God, that's... Of, any, of all places. What a snapshot in history. When we, look, when we look back at this 25, 50 years from now, people on Bourbon Street, the land of debauchery, uh, are actually abiding by, by health experts' guidance. What they a, could what not a, pull the mask down fast enough to take their drink of beer or whatever swill they were chugging <laughs> down their throats. But yeah, as, absolutely. Uh, this week's Zero Classic is a team event. I do like this event because I feel like it's, it's something out of the norm. And I've probably like covered this event more than anyone in golf media. That's not true. I, I covered it every year I was at Golf Week. Again, my, my wife's ago? family lives here. Uh, well, 12 years ago when I was at Golf Week. So for 10 years, I covered it every year. It was my fifth major. And, and I've been covering it mostly since 2010. Okay, so maybe, maybe you and I are tied. 
uh, I don't know how I unseated you for this either. I, it seems like this would have been a perfect fit for you this week. It really would. Like it's, it, I, I always say New Orleans is the perfect place to spend three days and two nights. Nothing more. I, I do think Zurich, I do think Zurich Classic <laughs> Week is, is just a couple days too long. Uh, and we can, we can get into our favorite hotspots here. But, but look, I, I covered the first team event uh, when, it, when it was won there. Who is it? Jonas Blixt. I believe it was Jonas Blix and Cameron Smith, wasn't it? Yeah, on the inaugural right. one. That's right. Yep. Uh, very, very forgettable week, um, as I just totally guessed at that. And there was always the the frantic drive back back to the uh, New Orleans airport, trying to catch that that Sunday night uh, flight home. There's there was always weather delays, always weather delays when it comes to this this week, this time of this time of year. I'm sure you're going to be experiencing that as well. Um, this week, you do have seven of the top fifteen. Uh, I counted some of the most notable pairings, Xander Schauffele, Patrick Cantley. That's probably the uh, one that most caught my attention. They played a ton of practice rounds together. Uh, former partners, actually, at the 2019 President's Cup. Uh, I'm pretty sure you can pencil them down uh, to be playing together uh, at Whistling Straits later this year. Kyle Morikawa, the aforementioned poor, uh, poor putter, Kyle Morikawa, uh, teaming with Matthew Wolf. Let's see if he can get Wolfie out of his uh, much maligned slump. And I don't I think, know if that's what Morikawa needs right now. I don't know if he needs to babysit. Is that, is that type of bad juju? Yes, he does not need someone who's mentally fragile sitting next to him as he stands over a four-footer. That's not going to help the situation. And then I want to see I want to see Rose and Stenson together. Uh, I don't think it's a guarantee that those old war horses are going to be uh, donning a European uniform uh, come September. So it's it's time to kind of put up or shut up for those guys that they're going to be wearing an earpiece an, an earpiece come whistling straights. How'd you just follow me down the bad, bad road here? I mean, it seems to me that Rose was just in contention at the Masters, so I don't know if I'm willing to dismiss him. Henrik has there struggled was zero, this year. There was zero chance Justin Rose was going to win that Masters. Perhaps, zero chance. Perhaps. Zero like chance. I, I don't I, – I, well, both of us sat and wrote probably the most difficult stories of our lives, so yes, I think that was an inevitability. That being said, he was just in contention, so I'm not willing to dismiss him. And, and I do the like, first time in like a year. Oh, it came out of nowhere. I'll give you that, but it's it's. That's what I want. I'm just saying. I want to. I want to see more. This is a great opportunity. You know, Padre Carrington is going to be tuning in. Great opportunity for them to kind of rekindle their old magic together. Uh, and and Ryan Palmer and John Rom, the defending champions. Let's don't gloss over them. John Rom, the 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 new father. He's had a chance to be home for another week, and he shows yes, I up. Heard he has hashtag perspective now. Yeah, you like that? Yes. You think that'll be the first story I write this week? Is hashtag yes. perspective? Yes, there's no yeah. doubt that that's the storyline when it comes to John Rom for the foreseeable future. That's it. Nothing else. He, he's well, a hothead. You know that, right? Like we're gonna just gonna gloss over that. Now, now that he has perspective, he's he's gonna be more even keeled, uh, and just have a better attitude on and off the golf course. That's just that's how that's how it works with media narratives. Wow, you're, you are so simple. All right, you've got a hard network out because your son is coming home from school, and I'm not gonna let that. Uh, get in the way of our fun and games right here. So before we leave, and normally I, I let you do this. I'm not going to let you get away with it this week. I, I let you talk endlessly and babbling and yammer on about what you're cooking on the grill. I'm going to I'm going to win the what's for dinner conversation. No, you're not. This week. Oh, I definitely am. Uh, it depends where you're going to go. Uh, I tend to have a a, a better palate um, than than you do. So so why don't you why don't you humor us with with where you're going? You're going to go to Subway for dinner. Uh, you're going to go to Domino's, Domino's for I, lunch. I just pointed out, I just pointed out, I was married in this city. I am married to a New Orleans girl. 
I, I know where to eat. I, I have people in this city. I'm very well aware. Uh, I'm going to Galatoire's tonight. I'm going to Galatoire's tonight with a friend of mine. Um, he's never indoor, been indoor outdoor dining, Mr. Mr. COVID. Uh, it's indoor. It is New Orleans. Let's don't get crazy. Like it, it will be indoor. Uh, and then her cousin is a it's a world renowned chef. His name is Brian Landry. He just opened up a new restaurant. It's called Born, and I'm going to be going to that tomorrow night. And then of course there'll be stout stops along the way. At uh, I think I think it's time. I, I don't want to get in. This falls right in your territory. Uh, a few years ago, I had a very bad experience at, at Drago's, which is. Uh, charboiled oysters and yes. i don't i don't need to get in any more detail than that anyway once you have a bad experience there you're done right you're off the railroad tracks you're not going back i've decided that this year i'm going back and that i might as well do it this week right like what do i have to lose so i always do i always do have dragos on my on my to-do list i don't i don't ever feel good about it because i think they're overrated they're overpriced but it's a good opportunity to get a dozen raw, get two dozen char grilled, and then suck down a couple uh, a beta a beta ambers. I, it's just it's just a great opportunity to do that. It wouldn't be my first choice. And those listening who have never been to New Orleans, uh, this, is, this is the point of the podcast. We need to take out a pad of paper, uh, grab your finest fine, uh, uh, grab your finest pen, and and jot down these suggestions. Because if you're going to do New Orleans, you need to go to Pascal Manales for barbecue shrimp. Agreed. Need to go to Jaegers, which is actually near TPC Louisiana, for crawfish. Do not be do not be alarmed. It looks a little janky. You may wonder if you're going to get shot. Uh, you will not. It is a wonderful place with wonderful hostesses and wonderful waitresses who can give you very cheap crawfish and cheap beer, and you will have a terrific time. Jaegers crawfish. You need to do it. Uh, Mr. B's for barbecue shrimp. Uh, same as Pascal's, of course. Po' boys as uh, well. Very, very good po' boys there. Yes. If you want, I, for me, if I'm going to get a po' boy, I'm going to go to Mahoney's. That's where I get the peacemaker, which is a oyster and shrimp po' boy. Uh, that's just something I like to do. If you want to try something different, if you're all seafooded out, uh, go to Dominica and get the lasagna and bruschetta. Did it a couple years ago, and oh. I make a point. I make a point to do it every single year. You wouldn't think, boy, I'm not going to New Orleans and having lasagna. Trust me, it Not is happening. that good. Uh, obviously, you need to go to Cafe Du Monde, uh, get beignets. And touristy. If you have touristy. It's not where the locals go. I mean, what else are you going to do at midnight? If you're done drinking, you've got a, you got a golf today hit. you got a golf today hit at 10 a.m. That's the perfect spot to, to soak up some of that. And then if you have time for breakfast, since I know you're going to be a, a TV guy this week, so you're going to have a little bit more time than usual, uh, Surrey's. Go to Surrey's for a bagel and lox. Uh, it's funny you should bring that up. Of all people, you, uh, the audience won't know him, but John Faco, who's one of our cameramen, I, I name him Rambo. He might be the funniest and most offensive person you've ever heard in your entire life. I told him on the plane ride over here that I wanted to take him to breakfast Saturday morning at Brennan's. Perfect. Serious. At, no, Brennan's. Where I'm going to take him. It's where I took my wife the morning after we got married. It's where I'm going to take John Faco. Uh, that will probably be hopefully less less romantic than the time you went with your wife uh commander's mm -hmm. palace i mean uh touristy a bit too touristy for me you, you can't you can't do it this week but if you have time uh i always try and go to commander's palace as well you can always go stop over at the above ground cemetery which is a little bit haunting as well and acme oyster which it's also it's a little on the touristy side oh However, drinks I didn't, even, I didn't even get into the drinks 
for drinks. Well, I was I was about to get to that because I was uh, we our reception was at a hotel called the Montleon. And inside the Montleon is a carousel bar. It of goes course. round and round and round. And they make the best Sazerac. So I will be going there this week as well. Yes. The carousel bar is an absolute must stop. Although since you apparently have an aversion to touristy, uh, that is incredibly touristy. But I would Can't say be. it is it is the stop that you need to go if you are going to New Orleans. I would also recommend the Sazerac bar uh, to get the Sazeracs. That's, in, that's near uh, Dominica since you're going to be getting your lasagna there. Um, I always try to go to Hot Tin. It's a rooftop bar. Uh, always very good. And French 75. That's where you get the French 75 drink. It's like champagne. I think it's champagne and vodka. Don't yes, yes, yes. With the, with the lemon wedge yeah. in it. Yeah, yeah. Very, very, very classy. Um, very so that, that, folks, uh, that concludes the food and drink portion of this podcast. That, that was incredibly informative. Rex, I love I, – I don't love covering this tournament. Uh, because it is, I do not like the golf course at TBC, Louisiana. It is about 30 minutes. Ah. From, it's about 30 minutes from downtown New Orleans. As I mentioned before, it always rains. It's incredibly swampy and humid. Uh, the media center food at TBC, Louisiana is by far the worst on the PJ tour. However, they do have a great pro-am, uh, great pro-am spread and the range uh, always has good food. However, I would cover this tournament just, just for the dinners. And so I would map it out. I'd make reservations months, weeks ahead of time. Uh, so I'm very jealous. I look forward to getting all your Snapchats this week from all from all of your haunts. Uh, reservations, luckily, aren't necessary because uh, as because these are COVID pointed, times. As we pointed out, these are COVID times. People are wearing masks on uh, Bourbon Street, and I'm heading right back down. That'll do it for this edition of the Golf Central Podcast, presented by Callaway Golf. Check in next week, and I'll tell you why I ate. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.